Welcome to Concordia Journal Currents and Book Blurbs, where we talk about recent faculty publications from the faculty of Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. My name is Jeff Cloa. I teach New Testament here at Concordia Seminary. And with me today is Dr. Bruce Shuckard, Professor of Exegetical Theology and also Dean of the Graduate School of Concordia Seminary. Welcome, Bruce. Thanks. It's nice to be here. Bruce, your recent commentary, the latest in the Concordia Commentary series from Concordia Publishing House, is on the letters of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Uh, what did you enjoy most about the task of writing this commentary? Well, I think what I particularly enjoyed about uh, writing the commentary on 1 to 3 John is, is the very thing that uh, we as professors here at the seminary enjoy. Uh, it's the task of uh, of being professional students of the sacred scripture. Hmm. Uh, just spending a, a life and a career uh, actually with the encouragement of church and, <laughs> and, and other things too to, uh, to, to uh, seek the deepest possible understanding of the scriptures, of the word of God, and to have the opportunity to, uh, to share that whole uh, life of reflection uh, in the classroom with students uh, and with the church at large uh, as well is just a, a real delight. Mm. Uh, I learned a lot, I think, I hope, and uh, hopefully the commentary uh, provides others with an opportunity to, uh, to enjoy some of those discoveries as well. Yeah, to benefit from your uh, long time exposure to these letters. Now, just to step back, how long have you been studying uh, the writings of John the Apostle? Well, uh, my study of John's works in particular began with my doctoral studies. Uh, completed in the 80s. Well, you didn't have to say that, but uh, anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, actually a long time ago, uh, in conversation with a, a doctor father who was uh, a very supportive and, and a valued friend, mm -hmm. uh, we selected the Gospel of John as the focus of my studies at that time. And uh, in that work, I focused on uh, the fourth Gospel's use of the Old Testament mm -hmm. uh, as my dissertation topic. And since then, I've been uh, continuing those studies, uh, teaching John here at the seminary, right. uh, and just enjoying the study of the works of John generally. Now, and how long was the actual process of writing this commentary, do I ask? Uh, yeah, it was longer than I was hoping that it would be, <laughs> and probably longer than others were hoping for it to be too. It took about seven years. About seven years. Uh, okay. So uh, it was uh, quite a project, quite an undertaking, uh, but uh, I think for all of our uh, commentary, authors, uh, it's not unusual for uh, this challenge of trying to find uh, both uh, professional and personal time to do things to do like things, this, right. yeah. uh, that, it, that it takes this long. Yeah, to produce uh, quality work, right. So who exactly would this commentary have been written for? Who's the target audience? Well, uh, the commentary itself with its uh, uh, cover uh, nicely specifies the aims of the series. Uh, I welcomed uh, writing a commentary with those aims. Uh, it's hoped that the commentary would be useful to both uh, lay people and, and uh, professionals in the study of theology, uh, for pastors especially, especially in our own denomination. Uh, the commentary tries to uh, very much uh, approach the scriptures from a distinctively uh, Lutheran, you know, uh, uh, confessional commitment. Mm -hmm. And so I think that uh, that brings a, a nice additional opportunity for uh, readers close or not so close to enjoy seeing how 
Lutherans in particular uh, approach the scriptures and, and, and attempt to read them with understanding. You mentioned lay people. There is a pretty good amount of Greek in your there is. commentary. In fact, it's all Greek, right? Well, uh, it, it starts with the Greek text. The commentary offers a translation of the Greek text of the letters. I think the design of the series generally, and of this commentary in particular, uh, is a good one for both lay readers and you know, professional readers, uh, pastors and others, because it's nicely uh, divided. Uh, each, each passage, the treatment of each passage begins with the offering of an English translation of the passage. Uh, in my commentary, uh, following immediately after the English translation of the passage is a, an analysis of each passage's uh, limits and structure with attention mm -hmm. paid to uh, the rhetorical design of the letters. Uh, following that, there's uh, extensive notes interacting with the Greek text. Mm -hmm. So, you know, much of the preliminary uh, work of each analysis of the passage is technical uh, mm -hmm. and is probably for uh, the more professional reader. But then the commentary which follows, uh, quite consciously, especially with my volume, attempts to uh, be much less technical and, and more focused just on uh, uh, what's hopefully a good uh, expository commentary mm -hmm. on the passage without reference to those technical details. Yeah. So uh, lots of people might find this helpful. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. probably not so much devotional reading, but for serious study from which you might uh, work devotionally eventually. You know, yeah. I, I think... Bible study teachers. I think the commentaries yeah. can also be used for a general Bible class or even mm -hmm. for devotional study. Uh, but for that purpose in particular, uh, the focus would likely be on the last uh, part of each passage's right. analysis and uh, th those pages, um, not so much the first. Yeah. But uh, somebody teaching Bible study, even if they don't know Greek, could certainly benefit from this commentary. I think so. Yeah. I hope so. Good. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you're interested in answering this question, but you raised earlier uh, from a Lutheran perspective in mm. terms of writing a commentary. I mean, I don't know, what, what does that actually mean from a Lutheran perspective? Each of the denominations, you know, especially in our American setting, but not just here, of course, uh, is known by its distinctives. Um, the Lutheran Church itself, historically, has been known for its distinctives, and and of course we think, uh, you know, in in our distinctively correct, uh, right? yeah. <laughs> you know, in our uh, own part of the world, that that those distinctives are founded in Scripture and right. and worthy of of emphasis as we attempt to uh, maintain and confess the faith, uh, you know, things like sola scriptura, sola fide, sola gratia, uh, faith alone, grace alone, scripture alone, uh, scripture interprets scripture. Mm -hmm. uh, the scriptures are to be uh, trusted as, you know, delivering uh, an, an, an essentially critical message to the people of God uh, the responsibility of the people of God is to treasure the scriptures, uh, to read them with great care, uh, to preserve them and to share them in the proclamation of Christ. Mm -hmm. Depending on a church body's distinctives, uh, a person will in invariably go to the scriptures and read with care, attending to the presence of those distinctives mm -hmm. in, the, in the Word of God. Now, one... Uh Lutheran distinctive, if you will, that's that's sort of uh, 
prominent in these letters is the whole issue of the Antichrist. Mm. Uh, it's prevalent throughout 1 John, shows up in 2 John uh, again. Mm. Um, would you be able to talk a little bit about Antichrist and John and, and how you've dealt with that, what the text is actually doing? Well, I'm glad to. Uh, it, it is actually one of the uh, uh, notable distinctives of John's letters, mm -hmm. uh, John's anti Antichrist doctrine uh, in 1 John, in 2 John, uh, uh, so much so, in fact, uh, is the doctrine distinctive that, that we probably need to do our level best to avoid uh, confusing that distinctive teaching with what's otherwise in the scriptures uh, for us with reference to the end times, with reference to right. demonic forces in the end right. times. Uh, John's Antichrist doctrine is not a, a doctrine that has much to say about the man of lawlessness, for example, yeah, from, from Thessalonian. Uh, Paul's Thessalonian right. correspondence. Right. And uh, if, you know, I, this commentary will uh, or does argue that uh, the gospel, the letters, and the apocalypse of John were all authored by the same person. Mm -hmm. uh, but that being said, uh, the Antichrist doctrine in the letters is decidedly unlike uh, what we find in the apocalypse with mm. reference to the eschatological beasts right. and such. Right. Uh, in the letters of John, Antichrist is the one who denies Jesus. Mm. Uh, Antichrist, in very literal terms, is right. the one, anyone who is against opposed Christ. To, right, opposed to, right. So, so one is either mm. for Christ or one is Antichrist. Mm -hmm. uh, Second John 7, uh, the deceiver, uh, the Antichrist is the one who denies that Jesus comes in the flesh to redeem all right. flesh. Right. So it's different. So it's not a singular figure, but multiple figures, anyone who denies I, Christ? I, I do not find. We can talk about the possibility of a singular figure from other works in the New Testament or even mm -hmm. the Old Testament, perhaps right. the, the book of Daniel. Right. Uh, but in, in the letters of John, I, I find no... Uh, a direct reference or suggestion of uh, such a singular figure uh, being anticipated. Instead, Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist is consistently in this world already, and mm -hmm. there are many of them mm -hmm. Antichrists, and they are the number of those who deny Jesus. Wow. wow. Well, that uh, should be a very helpful discussion. And uh, of course, in our day and age, uh, there's many who are opposed to Christ, and so. Uh, the teaching is as, rele as relevant as ever, uh, as important as ever. Uh, well, do you, do you think there's a particularly uh, unique contribution that your commentary makes uh, uh, in terms of scholarship or approach uh, that makes it a little bit perhaps distinctive? What new stuff did you find? Well, I, you know, I think this is true of all of the works of the Old and the New Testament. Uh, careful attention must be paid to the uh, condition circumstance Hmm. of the people of God that, that prompted the actual composition. So the original setting, yeah. Uh, you know, the clues regarding the actual setting of uh, John's circumstance and, and how that circumstance prompted him to compose his letters are, are given in the letters themselves. In chapter 2, verses 18 and 19 in particular, John refers to those who have gone out from us. Right. They were not of right. us. Right. If they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but instead they departed from us. 
So you have a schism, uh, not just a schism, but an actual uh, apostasy. Well, apostasy, right? I yeah. think, is the better word right. for it. Right. Uh, there's uh, not much of an indication of a divide exactly. There's mm -hmm. every indication that uh, perhaps in the absence of the apostle, perhaps during an exile to a place like Patmos, okay. uh, the church in his absence has experienced the difficulty of trying to uh, remain steadfast without the steadying influence of the last of the apostles. Mm. Uh, when John returns from exile, and the, uh, not just uh, you know the works of John, but also early church testimony suggests to us that he was exiled under Domitian, right. returned under the emperor Nerva, right. and lived to see the days of Trajan. Mm -hmm. Well, Trajan became emperor in 98. Right. If he experiences the uh, the vision on the island uh, at the time of Domitian, then returns to find that. Uh, the culture, the idolatrous culture of the Greco-Roman mm -hmm. world has kind of had its way with some, at least, right. in the house churches of Asia Minor, where he's been bishop for, for quite some time. Right. Uh, then, then the design of the letters is to respond to the problem of losses, backdoor losses to the hmm. prevailing idolatrous culture. Yeah. You know, so here's another very you know, uh, uh, you know, significant opportunity for us to uh, bring that ancient message from right. the first century to bear in our own in time. Our setting, yeah. if, if there's something common to our own day as well, it would be the problem of uh, backdoor losses from the faithful to the prevailing culture, which is not necessarily friendly uh, to the well, confession of the faith. Uh, you know, it's, it's remarkably relevant. I mean, the, the whole issue of the person of Jesus Christ, who is he, is right. still the question. Right. And so the notion, again, as you described with Antichrist, there's multiple Antichrists who deny that Christ has come into the flesh. So the same, same kinds of issues, you know, and, right. and uh, uh, come up again and again. And, right. uh, and so what's John's solution? Well, uh, it, it is his, the message of his letters is especially uh, a message directed to the faithful, okay. to those who have remained, to those who perhaps are, are uh, still facing the threat of deception and are, are perhaps even wavering in their commitment. Uh, in response to that, the distinctive emphases of the letters are especially upon the problem of Christ versus Antichrist, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the kingdom of God versus the spirit of Antichrist, which is ever with us. Right. Um, he, he works very hard uh, with his letters to uh, embolden the faithful around the foundation of the faith, which is informed especially by the twofold instruction, uh, uh, which which John summarizes, you know, repeatedly throughout mm -hmm. his letters as the instruction to believe in Christ and love one another. Mm. Now, this is the yeah. message of the epistles. Yep. You know, in the face of everything that haunts and everything that threatens to deceive. Just remain faithful, stay focused on Jesus, right. and care for, care one, for another. one another. Right. Live you as know? his body in the world, exactly. which is opposed to him. So yeah. if the boundaries have yeah. been porous and mm -hmm. losses have been experienced, he's working hard to fortify the boundaries yeah. of the community of the beloved. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's delightfully uh, relevant to us today. Uh, I think a, a very powerful message that can, can continue uh, to speak uh, words of encouragement and hope to the people of God yeah. uh, still today. Well, and uh, perhaps uh, helpfully, it's also 1 uh, John is an electionary for Christmas Day, so a good opportunity to uh, 
to strengthen the faithful by listening to the Apostle John once and again. So look forward to that. Well, thank you, Bruce, for your, uh, for your long uh, work on this, for the helpful contribution that you make to the life of the, life of the church. And uh, we pray God's blessing on your continued work with John and uh, uh, that this may bear fruit in his church. Right. So, thank you, Jeff. Thank you.